They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task. Got it covered like a mask, guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I held from. I had to climb about the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. When I was growing up, I never wanted to be one of those kids who wore his new Christmas shit right after the holiday break and got back to school. People were trying to check you out. And where I came up, sometimes you can get got for them goods. And let's keep it a buck. It wasn't always like that in the Strickland household for Happy Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, Dwali, Eid. Whatever it is you celebrate or don't celebrate. But when I got it, you know, I was really like, yeah, I'm going to wear it like a month from now, whatever. Let people know. And it feels like I've been away for a month, not doing the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The open run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks of One Neighborhood. One Neighborhood coming to a neighborhood near you real soon. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found, but right now exclusively at Anchor.fm, a Spotify podcast network. What did you do for the holidays? What did you get outside of that Cat Williams fire on the Uncle Shay Shay podcast? Blew up the damn internet. And I often cringe at the idea of what some might mistakenly call black on black crime. But people were speaking on his name, so he made sure he protected his name. I'm not mad at that. And the funny part is, people who are trying to parse and, and take apart what he was saying, as whether it be the truth or the gospel, one way or the other. But that is one of the amazing things about being a great storyteller. Sometimes you'll have a great portion of it be true, other portions of it be extremely false. Exaggerations, hilarity, but within that, whether you believe Shakespeare said, most all truths are said in jest or not, is that you were entertained. I know I was. How did you entertain yourself over the holiday break? Were you in the crowd saying, Silver Team, as the Detroit Pistons went on a league record 28-game winning strike? Montreal fans are listening, aren't you? Who's the team that helped the Pistons break their streak? Of course, the Toronto Raptors, who apparently don't have any beef with ignoring lawsuits from the New York Knickerbockers, with whom they traded OG Ananobi, one of the guys that before the trade deadline was going to go in a forward-heavy team, only bring back another forward who just so happened to be from Canada, R.J. Barrett, along with sixth man of the year runner-up from last season, IQ Emmanuel Quickly from Kentucky. I think he was the steal of the trade Masai Jury working his magic once again. Will there be more moves before that? As the NBA trade deadline is about a month away. And a lot of teams around the league are watching what's going on in the T. The six, because Pascal Siakam is rumored to be on the move as well. But what about Zion Latif Williamson, who no longer has a guaranteed contract down there in the Crescent City? Because he only played 29 games last season, the 
last three years of his contract are now not guaranteed. Yikes. Talk about wasting potential. I am not here bashing on Zion. It's just that when you get to a point where you know you can make millions of dollars based on just raw athletic ability, doesn't even have to know how to play yet. And he clearly hasn't figured it out. The game of life is tougher than the game of basketball, clearly. And hopefully it all works out for Zion. I know that David Griffin understands that as the GM there, what leverage he has now with his asset, they have to make a decision on where they're going, if they're going anywhere with Zion Williamson moving forward. I could talk about Caitlin Clark with triple-doubles everywhere in the first player, male or female, to ever amass 3,000-plus points, 750 rebounds, and 750 assists in a collegiate career. No one has done that. Or I could talk about the hashtag, getting 47-7 in a big win over OKC, despite the fact that since the in-season tournament, the Lakers have been now 4-10 after a big win in the Battle of L.A., last evening where he locked down Kawhi Leonard and gave you an average game for him because that's what he's been averaging in his 21st season, 25 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Then a game against OKC where he had the 47-7, one of the hottest teams in the league and could be the best young team in the league. They're going to be the team that Sacramento was last year or maybe Memphis was a couple of years ago. Were they sneaking up on you? Their big three is legit. What happens around them is going to matter, especially if ever someone speaks about this Josh Giddy sexual assault with a minor case, because it's been crickets since we found out that Gloria Allred was the lawyer in the case for the young lady and her family. I can talk about the Clippers, who are now 14-2 and in their last 16 games, including winning five straight until that losing strike was broken by the Los Angeles Lakers. They had won nine in a row with Quiet Anthony Leonard in the lineup, then lost two straight when he was sitting out. I wonder what Clippers fans think now that SGA is the first-team All-NBA player doing this thing, giving you 40 against the Nuggets, along with Chet Holmgren, the Rookie of the Year right now. No question. Banging them by 26 at home in the serious Northwest Division matchup. And that Northwest Division is running the NBA right now. Minnesota, Denver, OKC, top of the charts, no doubt. I can talk to you about Becky Hammond. Head coach of the two-time WNBA champ, Las Vegas Aces, on ESPN's NBA Today, stating that Jalen Brunson is not a 1A and you can never win a championship with a guy that small. He's too little to be a 1A. Isaiah Lord Thomas III is mad somewhere. What about Steve Kerr and this Jonathan Kaminga issue, where in a crazy loss, they were up 18 and they choked it off. And I thought at one time, there was only one place where you couldn't spell choke without the OKC. But the Warriors choked off an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Denver Nuggets. At home with Nikola Jermaine, that's J. Pastry, M-A-Y-N-E. Jokic in a crazy 40-footer off the glass. Last second to win the game. Jonathan Kaminga did not play the last 18 minutes of that game. And he was cooking early. Didn't feel confident. Steve Kerr, they had a conversation. It's all ironed out. But maybe those numbers, and maybe those minutes... Don't get rolled back with the return of Draymond Jamal Green Sr. You've also lost CP3 and GP2. We'll get into that a little bit later in the podcast. I can talk about this being the year of Kobe. Great Nike rollout on commercials. and I know it's they're leaning on his number, 24, and everything else. And this being 2024. But for some odd reason, even last year, I felt like people started to forget how tragically he passed. And the legacy he left behind. I see a lot of movement. Maybe that's me. Maybe my, I'm in my own bubble, but 
You know, the CD has a new mural up in Venice Beach where we hope to do Full Court 21 All World again this season. It's an amazing thing. I hope it's still up there when we go to the Olympics in 2028. Keep your fingers crossed for us. But what I really want to talk about with all that's going on since the last time we were together is January 6th. See, that date holds a special place in my heart, not for what many may think because of what happened in 2020. Somebody actually made a meme that looked like a video game with people climbing the walls there at the Capitol, trying to interrupt the democratic process in this country. An act of sedition and treason, no doubt. Not treated in the same way as our Constitution would state, but hey, different strokes for different folks, I guess. And they turned these people climbing over these buildings into a video game meme that looked a whole lot like Donkey Kong, and they renamed it. I'll just tell you they changed Donkey to something else. Now I'll leave it at that. I admit, I chuckled a little bit. But January 6th, almost two and a half decades ago, I lost my dear old dad, blessed dad. And every year it gets further and further away. Every year I count my blessings and I think about him like it was yesterday. The things he gave me, the things he didn't give me. I think about them a lot. I think about everything we missed, things we were going to do. Things we didn't do because we couldn't get over ourselves. Get beyond our stubbornness, our maledom, if you want to call it that, whatever it is. We just didn't do it. By the time we started planning it, getting it together, and letting go of some of this dumb stuff we stand on business for, he was gone. I wrote an article once called My Daddy Tools, based on a speech given by the late, great Michael K. Williams as he was playing the character Albert Chalky White in HBO's Boardwalk Empire. Talked about how his father was trying to accomplish something with his life. His life was taken away from him by these white supremacists, these racists. And I was going to get his revenge. Definitely not making bookshelves like his dad did. If you have an opportunity, check out the scene, My Daddy Tools. My father once told me, be consistent in this life, son. There's only one of you. One of one. Whether or not, and I'm going to read a little bit from that article because a lot of it happened playing one-on-one to be one of one whether or not i had taken his words to heart deeds and actions can be subject to interpretation i'm still writing chapters what can't be disputed is the depth and breadth of this man's imprint on the fabric of my life when i was 11 my father abused me mercilessly on the court he pushed prodded and provoked the worst in me exclaiming it to be a necessary evil not only for the wars i faced through basketball but also in life. It didn't matter. I hated him for it at the time, and all I could see was getting better so he could never beat me again in anything. That fall and winter, I played alone every day, working on my skills. I had learned battling bigger, stronger, smarter, and better players. Yet all I could see was him. Risking frostbite, shoveling snow off the outdoor course to play at night, in mittens and gloves by the light emanating from the headlights of his car, I worked in silence. Tears damn near frozen to my face. I had but one goal. The next spring, I was ready. Or so I thought. As we headed to the court, my nerves and my ego waged an epic battle. Game one, 12-7. Oh, someone's been working on their game. Fouls, pushing, shit-talking, worse than they'd ever been, came from my life giver. I remained silent, vigilant. Game two, 12-4. Game three, 12-2. Game four, Zero, zero. My back hurts. Uh, let me stretch out a little bit. 
My father left the court that day, never to play me again in one-on-one, -on -one, and only once stepping on the court with me after that to play horse in Germany and talk to me about my travels in Europe during my university summers. But that was the foundation. Now, I guess through all this stuff that I could have talked about with the NBA and college basketball, and I guess I still will after this, I just want my dear old dude, Lester Dead, to know that I am thinking of him. We had so much more to learn together, but not enough time. So many opportunities to grow in an even greater relationship. I hope that somehow you can feel the impact of my efforts to help lead the family you were a big part of starting. I wish you could see the men and women your progeny have become and will be. I wish you could enjoy seeing your grandchildren as evolving, unique, and very special beings. I wish you could be here to walk these steps together with my queen mother in the autumn of her years. My love for you has been complicated at times primarily by my youth and lack of understanding of the world in which you lived. My resentment no longer exists. Know this, my love for you is also unyielding, unrelenting, and undeniable. These are my daddy tools. You are missed. We'll keep carrying the torch in your name. Uno. Come back for more on the other side of this on The Open Run with Will Strickland. Back and more of what you asked for. It's the open run with Wells Pickling in conversation with you, the listener, because it is, even in 2024, cathartic for me and for you. Talking a little college basketball. Shout out to, well, I'll say it, the NCAA and ESPN, who've agreed to extend it. A deal signed for almost a billion dollars back in 2011, extending another eight years and covering 40 championship games for different sports, including women's basketball. Part of that bundle with a new deal of $115 million, with $65 million of it going to the women. Not mad at that. Women's basketball is more exciting than men's basketball to me at this time, in particular on the college level. I don't know if any of the top guys in the NCAA are going to have NBA careers, much less be stars. There are no players whose personality strikes me as amazing or whose game stands out that can flourish in the association. But good luck to all of those guys. And really, good luck to the ladies. Go, ladies! As we talk about women's college basketball, how much has changed since the last time we did this thing and we were together in 2023? Let's find out. I noticed there was a game recently, about a week ago, where I would have definitely said if I was live tweeting this, mind the Sunday truce. No doubt. The Grambling Tigers in Louisiana defeated the College of Biblical Studies 159 to 18. That's not a typo. I did not stutter. 159 to 18. Why'd they even put them on the schedule? God mad. Mind the Sunday truce. As we look at the Power Five for the women, how much has changed since then? Well, our Power Five last time we were together was at number one, the University of South Carolina under Coach Don Staley. And shouts out to Lamont Paris as an aside. The second year head coach down there at University of South Carolina has led them to a 13-1 start. So 27-1 on the campus in Columbia, South Carolina for the men's and women's basketball team, both led by black head coaches. It's John Jay. I'm applauding. Slow clap sequence initiated, no doubt. At number two, the UCLA Bruins. At number three, 
the North Carolina State Wolfpack at number four, the LSU Tigers, and at number five, the Texas Longhorns. What's changed in three weeks? A lot. There are only three undefeated teams left on the women's side, including, of course, the number one team in the country, the University of South Carolina Gamecocks, who started SEC play after they blew out Florida in Florida. She's not happy with the team's play against Mississippi State of October Hall County, Mississippi, even though they won big. And that's what keeps you on top. You're not satisfied with just winning, but how you win, the habits you form. And that's why she's a great coach who could be, if she really wanted to, a coach in the NBA right now. At number two, the UCLA Bruins, after defeating Juju Watkins in a close game and her USC Trojans, UCLA is still dominating the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, easily one of the best conferences in college basketball right now. I mean... I hope they're not looking like the Big Ten in college basketball. We have all these teams that make it to the dance and then they don't end up in the final or even the final four. Come on. Pac-12, somewhere in there with UCLA or, of course, USC. You have Stanford. You also have Colorado, which we'll talk about in a second as well. At number two, UCLA. At number three, welcome to the party, Baylor Bears, who coming off a big, big win against the University of Texas, who were at number five last time we were together. But... Now without their spark plug, their leader, Rory Harmon, out for the season with a knee injury. Mmm, that's tough. By the time the number 10 Baylor Bears defeated the number 5 Texas Longhorns, and now they're at number 3 undefeated. The last of the undefeateds in the Power 5 this week at number 4, falling just one spot. I can't knock them for losing on a last-second layup by Elizabeth Kitley of Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech was in the Final Four last year. They're not a joke. Georgia Amor and all those guys, they're serious. They lost on the last second layup. It happens. They're not going to fall far out of the top five for me personally. Westmore's Wolfpack is at number four this week. And at number five, on a thin, thin thread, the Colorado Buffaloes, who need their big three to play almost 40 minutes a night, which is going to kill them going down the stretch. I know they're young people, but when you get into the conference tournament after a season of playing 40 minutes a night, and then you have to play in, in March Madness. Could be tough. But right now, Colorado with Stanford coming up soon after hitting a record 16 three-pointers against Arizona, who was ranked a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, the Pac-12 is serious. Colorado at number five. And even though Colorado's number five, you, the listener, are number one on our charts and number one in our hearts. So come back for more on the other side of this on the open run with Will Strickland. You're now listening to the sounds of the open run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted from the mic to the speaker in conversation with you, the listener, because it is so very good to do so back in the house in the new year. Thank you so much for going along on this ride with me called the open run, talking a little men's college basketball now, RIP to Joey Meyer the former head coach of the DePaul Blue Devils. This is more about me. This is a personal thing for me. Ray Meyer, his dad, coached from 1942 to 1984, which is unheard of in basketball today. You will not have another head coach stay at a school for 42 years unless it's on the women's side, like Gina Oriema or Tara Vanderveer or someone like that. But Ray Meyer, who coached George Mikan and Mark Aguirre, Terry Cummings, 
coming to like the 1982 or 83 Rookie of the Year. At any rate, his son, Joey, who played for him there at DePaul and took over and coached people like David Booth. Some guys might remember Peoria's finest next to Richard Pryor, of course. And Rod Strickland, those Pumas aged the rock, passed away um, recently. I think he was 74 years old. So rest in power, Joey Meyer, former head coach of the DePaul Blue Devils. Shouts out to the coach of a team they used to play a lot back in the 80s, back when NBC used to broadcast Saturday afternoon games. And I was a junkie watching those games with Digger Phelps. But the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, not so much fighting them these days as head coach Micah Shrewsbury, longtime NBA assistant, mostly with Boston. Now there at Notre Dame, said he will help his players get into the transfer portal because he hated their piss poor effort, losing to teams like the Citadel. I don't think the Citadel has had anyone of note since Frank Selvey played there back. Well, that's Furman. See? Maybe it's Frank Underwood I'm thinking about. No, he didn't go to the Citadel. You have to watch House of Cards to get that one. Anyway, that's crazy when your head coach is taking out of Deion Sanders' playbook, talking about these players and their transfer portals. You don't have to stay here. We'll get some people in here who want to win. So salute to Shrewsbury or boo to Shrewsbury. Let me know. You know my social media contacts. I'm not that hard to find. On another note, Texas Tech University's Pop Isaacs, who scored 21 points one day after being named in a civil lawsuit for a sexual assault against a minor during a trip to the Bahamas the team took. <sighs> He's still playing. It's always a difficult thing, you know, when guys get accused of something. But I also note that this is not a criminal case. It's a civil case. The age of consent in the Bahamas is 16. The young lady at the time was 17. I'm not going to play lawyer in this one. The fact of the matter is he's playing, despite the optics, on the other side of this, though, the University of Illinois, who was ranked number 10 this past week, suspended their top scorer, one of their top players, Terrence Shannon Jr., who is accused of rape, who's being charged with rape, turned himself in in Lawrence, Kansas. He was there for a football game at the University of Kansas, I suppose, and uh, was found out he had a warrant for his arrest, turned himself in. He was suspended from all team activities. You hate to see this not only for the alleged victims, because these young men have not been convicted of a crime as yet, but when we think of things like this, it's not just the people who are involved or not involved in the interactions that are being highlighted here, but also the peripheral effect. Family, friends, teammates, coaches, schools. In directly or indirectly, the race of these two young men. I talked about Josh Giddy, who's still playing for Oklahoma City. Haven't heard a whole lot about his case for whatever reason. And they've been talking about these two cases pretty tough as the NCAA conference season starts for a lot of these teams. And this is a part of, I guess, the boilerplate. Every time Texas Tech, who were booed mercilessly in the Moody Center in Austin, and they would not allow Isaac to even go to post-game press conference. So there's a lot going on in men's college basketball, but even better, there's some basketball going on in men's college basketball. Last we left you, our Power 5 looked like this. Purdue at number one, Zach Eady, the big man in the middle. Number two, the Kansas Jayhawks, Teflon Bill, Hunter Dickinson. I still I, I want to give him stats and love because he went to Michigan, but he left. And number three, the UConn Huskies, Donovan Klingon with a big injury, but they also have so much talent in that team. And Dan Hurley really can coach. So, And number three, the UConn Huskies. And number four, the Arizona Wildcats. 
And at number five, the Houston Cougars. Three weeks later, we don't look like that at all. Even though there's been some shuffling, Purdue still at number one. Number two, showing that they're just as good in, in the Big 12 as they were in their own conference before they left. Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars, number two in the country, leapfrogged over a Kansas team that struggled against TCU, had to have Hunter Dickinson make a clutch basket down the stretch to win the game by two over an unranked TCU team in their conference, the Big 12. So at number three, Kansas. At number four, UConn, even with the injury to Donovan Klingon. At number four, the Huskies of UConn. At number five, the University of Tennessee Volunteers, led by Rick Barnes, a man I have never trusted in the conference finals, a man I've never trusted in the NCAA tournament, no matter what team he was coaching. But if Dope Hoops content is a must, you've got to go with a name you can quickly trust. I'm not saying I'm number one. Oh, I'm sorry, I lied. I'm number one, two, three, four, and fifth. That's capital F, lowercase i, capital F. Because it's not how we start, it's how we finish. So come back for the fourth quarter, only here on The Open Run with Will Strickland. It is now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. I want to thank you, the listener, for hanging out and being a part of the open run experience. And now, no further ado, it's time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond. Bon voyage to Ricky Rubio, a guy who started playing professionally in Spain at 14, had a leave of absence. Due to mental health, has decided to take a buyout from the Cleveland Cavaliers and retire from the league. Best of luck to you, Ricky, with the rest of your life. I do remember and I want fans to remember that Ricky Rubio was the number five pick in the draft of 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Just ahead of the great Johnny Flynn, the Minnesota Timberwolves, clearly with a smart front office, taking two point guards in the draft. Ahead of one guy who was drafted number seven, you might have heard of him before. His name, Wardell Stephen Curry II. In the same vein, talking about Minnesota, shouts out to the interviewer who was talking to the hashtag he who shan't be named after another loss when they lost to Memphis. It would have made them 3-10 in their last 13 games since the end-season tournament. The hashtag was talking about how bad the Lakers sucked and they needed a big win, anything to fire them up, I guess. And guys started asking about Ricky Rubio. The hashtag had to apologize. Not really in the mood to talk about Ricky Rubio right now, but I want Ricky to know that I'm thinking about him. Best of luck to you. And no, it was not me, Ricky. It was whoever felt the need to ask this question in the midst of what we're going through right now. Staying in Minnesota, shout out to Alex Rodriguez and his ownership group for finally taking over the ownership of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Hopefully it'll be in better hands than it was when Ricky Rubio was selected in the draft. And it's funny when you're talking about crossover ownership. A guy who is a baseball Hall of Famer, who should be, and Alex Rodriguez owning a basketball team. It's kind of like my guy Mike Morreale of the CBL, who is a big CFL guy coming over to start a basketball league. Or the conversation I had earlier today about former Warriors GM Bob Myers going over to help select new coach and his new coaching staff for the NFL's Washington Commanders, led by minority owner Irvin Magic Johnson. It smells like magic. He's done well in baseball. He's done well in basketball, obviously. Now about to do well in football by hiring one of the brightest minds. And it's not about whether Bob Myers knows football. 
It's whether or not Bob Myers understands the talent and understands what it takes to run a franchise. And I think he learned a great deal helping to revive the organization called the Golden State Warriors. You know, one of the top teams of the past decade. No big deal. Won four championships there. When was the last time the Washington Commanders won something of significance? The 80s? Shout out to Doug Williams. Is that the last time it happened? I don't know. Maybe I'm freestyling. Anyway, shouts out to Bob Myers. Shouts out to Magic. And shouts out to the NFL, who kind of came in and said, we want to be the pod boss in this prison. On Christmas Day, which was a Monday this year, and I mean, Monday Night Football, we know that the NFL actually owns a day of the week, Sunday. It's locked in. That battle between church and the NFL, about neck and neck. They came in on Christmas Day, a day traditionally left for the NBA to flourish, beat them in the ratings by a mile. I think the NBA games, on average, collected about 4.5 million viewers. The NFL's games on Christmas were like 29 million per game on average. Had two games out there, if I'm not mistaken. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Want to send out some happy birthday shouts to the hashtag he who shan't be named 39 years young on the 30th of December. And also on the same date, Eldrick, Tiger Woods, who's now parted ways with Nike after 27 years of building their entire golf department. Name someone else who was a Nike guy before Tiger Woods showed up. I would wait, but I don't have that kind of time. Nobody. So shouts out to both those guys. And shouts out to the new franchise, Victor Wembanyama, who just turned 20 on January 4th, 2024. Having a solid rookie season. And I asked this before the season started, if they were going to do business in the NBA, because people say, oh, last time we had this issue, the hashtag didn't have as good a season as Carmelo Kayem Anthony, but somehow he won the rookie of the year. Sometimes the storylines mean something different. If it's just about stats, then we already know who the GOAT is, but you don't want to move the goalposts in that conversation. But the stats matter in his rookie year. Stop playing with me. Go play in traffic. Go play with yourself. Don't play with me. The first round of All-Star voting, the fan vote, which is 50% of the All-Star voting, came out about four days ago. And surprise, surprise, the two guys who have led to voting either first or second the past eight years, Giannis, Sina, Ugo, LaTerrence, Tentacumpo, and the hashtag he who shan't be named at the top of the list in both conferences. As a matter of fact, I'm going to see if my players, the players I picked on my roster, were the top vote getters in the conferences. Now, for the record, and this is keeping it a buck, in the East, I picked the two Tyrese backcourt, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Hans and B, the Colonel's son. And the voting went something like this. At number one, Tyrese Halliburton. At number two, Damian Lillard. Where did Tyrese Maxey fall out? Number five, behind Rayford Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. Jalen Brunson's right behind Tyrese Maxey, along with LaMelo Ball, Derek White, DeMar Darnell DeRozan, and Drew Randall Holiday in the top ten in the East. You get those votes up in New York and, of course, in Philadelphia because Tyrese Halliburton is far and above any and everyone. He's about four. 100,000 votes ahead of Big Game Dane. He's playing incredibly right now. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. In the front court, of course, no misses there. Leading vote getter overall right now, Giannis, along with Joel Embiid, just about 300,000 votes behind them. And Jason Tatum, about 100,000 behind Embiid. Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Ben Adebayo, Mikel Bridges, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, and Paolo Bancaro. 
rounding out the top 10. In the West, I picked Luka Doncic and Wardell Stephen Curry the second. Because I said some old guys, no matter what the record's going to be, the old guy's going to get in there. And sure enough, because it is a popularity contest, but it's also based on what they've done. Huh? Oh, they're just pop. How do you think they got popular, dumb dumb? When people say, oh, it's just a popularity contest. Yeah, they got popular because they're good. Guards in the West, Luka Lamar, that's with two R's. Doncic at number one with 1.45 million votes. Wardell Stephen Curry the second, just behind him. Shea Gillis Alexander, James Harden. James Edward Harden Jr. Wow. At number four, ahead of Kyrie Andrew Irving and Anthony Edwards, MVP candidate, or at least he should be. What's up, Minnesota? At number six, Demetrius Jamel Morant barely played any games. He's at number seven. De'Aaron, was it Marquez? Was it Marquez? I think his middle name is Marquez. I said I was going to learn his middle name, but I forgot already. Sad. Anyway, De'Aaron Fox at number eight. Clay Alexander Thompson. At number nine, and Austin Reeves at 10. You know who's left off this list for a lot of people? Devin Armani Booker. Yikes. Life can happen for you fast, my guy. And in the front court, no surprises, the hashtag, he shan't be named. I don't have to go over his accolades, you know, no matter how much it may pain you to talk about them. Kevin Wayne Durant, number two. Nicola Jermaine at number three. Anthony Davis, number four. Quiet Anthony Leonard at number five. Paul Anthony George at number six. Alperin Shingun. Al P, my guy, number seven, Victor Wibinyama. What's up with the French fans? San Antonio, stand up. The rookie, Victor Wibinyama at number eight. And behind him, the best second-year, first-year player in the league, Chet Holmgren at number nine. And number 10, Carl Anthony Towns. Compare them to what you picked. Let me know if you agree or disagree and who you think should be starting in this year's NBA All-Star Game in Indianapolis, Indiana in mid-February. Some injuries to report. Ben Simmons still out with a bad back. Once you get a reputation in the NBA, it's kind of tough to shake it. Ask Draymond. Winning kind of helps curb that a bit, but after a while, when you stop winning, you lose that credit. Cade Cunningham just strained his left knee in a game recently. He's going to be out for a little bit. They didn't say how long. It's indefinite. Don't like that part unless it's talking about a suspension from the league. Getting a Boogie Cousins disease numbers. You know, big numbers on a bad team. 29 points and 8 assists. Over the past 10 games for Cade Cunningham. GP2, Gary Payton II, strained his hamstring and will be out several weeks. This happening after only two games, as he was out for 13 games before that with a strained right calf. Sitting next to him in the infirmary, Christopher Emmanuel Paul, CP3, who's always had an injury history with his hands, and it generally happens the worst time of the season. It's not the playoffs yet, so he still has time to recover because he's going to be out four to six weeks with left-hand injury. Some milestones to talk about. Luka Lamar, sixth youngest and seventh fastest to 10,000 points after he gave 50 to the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker. That meme that's still going around where he's killing people. I think he had a Santa Claus hat on or an elf hat on. And he's killing Devin Booker and those guys. 50 points to surpass 10,000 on that list. I'm sure he's going to hit 20,000 fast as well. Big game Dane. 51st person to ever eclipse 20,000 points in the association. Did it against San Antonio. And also shouts out to Nicola Jermaine for his third triple-double. Shooting 100% from the field. Tying him with the late great Wilton Norman Chamberlain. And there's this video going around that talks about Joker not doing anything in the summer, but hanging out, partying, winning dance contests and karaoke and riding his horses and stuff. And everybody else is working out and he's so much superior to them because he didn't have to do all this hard work. Chris, I mean, it's supposed to be funny, but it's not funny to me. 
maybe I read more into it than what it was. But if you see the video, so all these black athletes working out really, really hard. Here's this guy making it look easy. He does make it look easy, but I didn't see these videos when he went 18 for 58, including one game where he went 9 for 32. No videos like that about his summer workout. So maybe I'm on point. If you tell me I'm out of pocket, hit me up. You know how to do that. And shouts out to Russell Westbrook. 152 points away from eclipsing 25,000 points for his career and being one of four men in the top 25 in points and assists all time. The other three, Oscar Palmer Robertson, James Edward Harden Jr., and the hashtag, he who shan't be named. Let's go into our Power 10 this week as we talk about where we were three weeks ago and where we are right now. The Celtics, the Wolves, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Mavs, the Magic, the Kings, and the Clippers. That was our top 10 three weeks ago. Changed a little bit since then. As a matter of fact, at number one, the Boston Celtics. Injuries, big matchups, they still rock steady. And I like that about Joe Mazzulla. I think he's starting to figure it out. Derek White is proving to be a great X factor. Another guy who creates maybe the best defensive backcourt in the NBA right now, in Boston. At number one, the Celtics. At number two, the Denver Nuggets. The reigning defending NBA champion had a game with Nicola Germain shot three shots in the whole game, and they still won at four points and 16 assists. When you can dominate a game in so many different ways, that makes you one of the most unique players to ever play this game. He is that, no doubt. At number three, the OKC Thunder. Oklahoma City, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Chet Holmgren, and listen, Jalen Williams, they have two of them on the team. I'm talking about the one who starts from Santa Clara. They're serious. Lugans Dort and Josh Giddy, they play their roles. They will have issues off the bench, and that's going to be the big thing. Will they make an acquisition with all those draft picks that Sam Pressy holds in his hands, like the judges and the politicians that you hold Don Colleoni? Sorry, I sound like Barzini right now. Let me stop. Will Sam Pressy do the same thing? At number three, the OKC Thunder. At number four, the Timberwolves, who have fallen off just a little bit. I think people are starting to figure out how to go against the number one defense in the league, especially with the bigs, by counteracting them with speed. At number four, the Timberwolves of Minnesota. At number five, the Milwaukee Bucks lost four of their last five. Even with Giannis putting up monster numbers. I think he had 48-17 and 17 the other night against Houston. Still lost. And a team that definitely has their number. Even the one game that didn't count during the in-season tournament. 4-1 and one against the Bucks. You know who it is. The Indiana Pacers, led by James Johnson. Let me stop. At number six, the Clippers had a five-game losing strike just recently snapped by the Los Angeles Lakers. And number seven, the Philadelphia 76ers, learning a lot about themselves without Tobias Harris and Joel Hahn to beat in the lineup. Tyrese Maxey leading the charge. Can they be effective with Kelly Oubre Jr., Patrick Beverly, and Tyrese leading them? At number eight, the Dallas Mavericks. Currently on a four-game losing strike. Luke Lamar and Kyrie giving you 69 points recently in the game. Can the rest of those guys and the others, Grant Williams, Derek Lively, Derek Jones Jr., that's an unlikely lineup, but somehow they worked it out. But right now, they're at number eight in our Power 10 this week. And number nine, the Sacramento Kings. Not stinking up on anyone anymore. We're still talented. Someone suggested they get another big off the bench. But who is that? JaVale McGee is a three-time NBA champion who gives them solid backup minutes, but are they looking for a big who can score? Maybe even protect the rim? But again, everyone thinks they're going to be the same as they were last year. 
people are looking for the kings and they're when they come up on the calendar are they prepared to take that next step and number 10 welcome to the party cleveland cavaliers also eight and two or seven and three in their last couple of games without evan mobley Jared allen playing incredibly in the middle no darius garland on a regular basis but karis lavert making his case for sixth man of the year and with rumors swirling about with donovan mitchell they're still winning games i don't think they trade him what would they do in cleveland kobe altman this is your life before we get out of here, I want to talk about the returns of Demetrius Demel Morant, who in his first game, 34 points in the game winner against New Orleans Pelicans, and the guy who was drafted right in front of him, fellow South Carolinian Zion Latif Williamson. You could write a movie to it. I think right now they're, what, 5-3 and three since Morant has come back, even though they had a big win the other night without him. And they've learned how to play without him a lot. It's improved the game of Desmond Bain, of course, J3, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I call this a hell of a spin move by Draymond Jamal Green Sr. who said that Adam Silver had to talk him down out of retirement. His quote was, this is too much, too much for me to carry. You're the victim? Stop, my guy. Although I think it's quite clever that he said that. He's going to retire. He has options. He's not going to give up $100 million either. Oh, I forgot. It's guaranteed. But what do they do with retirement, especially if it's not an injury retirement? Does he have to give that money back? He's not walking away from $100 million. So that's just talk. And we do more than talk here, as we're happy to be back for another year on the podcast where basketball and life are one. It is the open run. So until next week, do remember, do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And keep listening to the open run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, my mellow, my man. Happy New Year to you and yours. Do what you do when you do it, sir. For the first time this year, Easy.